All right, welcome to the latest edition of WARP in Cincinnati. Paul Dainer Jr. here with you on The Athletic. And a uh, special guest today hopping in for uh, C-Trent, uh, who is out for personal reasons, is Mo Ager. Mo, always, always the man to hop in. And we, you know, we're, we're going to do a lot of... We're gonna do a lot of uh, com- conversating today. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be me really tired of me. Yeah, you're gonna be really tired of me by by the end of the day. We're gonna, uh, we're, I'm, I'm excited for this. Yeah, we're let's talk. Let's talk a little Reds. We got Reds today. Later on this afternoon, I'll join. We'll flip over to to uh, to be on fifteen thirty ESPN where you are at every day, and um, we'll we'll do three hours of Bengals <laughs> talk. From Twin Peaks, but for now, the, the, here's the funny thing: how quickly things change in this city. You would have thought that this would be the depressing part, and the Bengals would be the optimistic part. But just two weeks later, they've totally switched hats, and now everyone wants to talk uh, with excitement and optimism about the Cincinnati Reds, who are right in the middle uh, of the playoff mix. It's amazing. So the Thursday the season opened, the Thursday the NFL season opened, which was the uh, with the Texans and the Chiefs we're all hanging around the office and it's like people on the air producers, some folks in management. And we're all sort of talking about how, look, it's, it's probably time to really make a hard pivot to the NFL. The NFL season is starting tonight. There's a lot of Joe Burrow excitement and you know, the reds, it's just not happened this year. I think people are losing interest two weeks later. Well, we're pivoting all the way back, (laughs) all the way, pivoting all the way back. Bengals didn't play this week. The Reds are playing a huge series this week against the Brewers. We need to be wall-to-wall Reds. And so this is um this is gonna be a fun week. I mean, this is this yeah. is exciting. The the football stuff notwithstanding, this is kind of what we've even back before the, the season shut down, this is what I think we were all hoping for at very worst. You know, ideally going into the last season, their playoff future is a little bit more certain. But you go into a series against an NL Central foe, you um effectively control your own destiny if you will this is and um the team is playing well going into this stretch so this this is there's a lot of reason for hope and optimism this is going to be a really fun week yeah it is i'm going to get into that we're going to talk a little bit about it's kind of different talk about actual games and maybe even a bit of strategy of a week uh yeah in baseball which we don't we haven't done here and I don't know, six years or so. So uh, we're, we're going to do that. I want to talk a little bit about somebody that we need to be apologizing to on the Reds um, and uh, also a little bit about the Brewers um, because they're very interesting in their dynamic, and it might sound very familiar when I start talking about them. You have a piece up on how the Reds need to find a way to re-sign Trevor Bauer next year. Uh, dive into that, and I want us to talk a little bit about Joey Votto, who was fantastic again in postgame. Uh while we're at it, I want to make sure I sneak this in here. Uh, if you want to read stories by myself, by Mo, or, or any number of our 400-plus writers we have covering every single team and certainly in-depth all across Major League Baseball, Ken Rosenthal, $1 per month right now at The Athletic. One little dollar per month. Go to www.theathletic.com slash W-A-R-P. Go there. Click to subscribe. You'll see the $1 a month offer, and you can get in on that right now. So let's talk a little bit. Let's let's dive into here's my here's my my take off the top. 
with the Reds that I think in what has happened over this past week. Last week, Trent and I sat on this podcast and said, look, at some point you got to sweep the Pirates. Like, <laughs> that's just, that's sort of what it is. Like, you just can't keep splitting and not, at some point you got to sweep the Pirates. You got to find some momentum somewhere. And I thought sweeping the Pirates put him in the conversation. But what happened this weekend against the White Sox and what Joey Votto deemed the most important series of the year because they played well and took two out of three was it made you believe that if you can just get into the tournament that you might actually be able to put something together because that is a White Sox team that is arguably the best in the American League depending on who you talk to that day. And went in there and took it to it took two out of three and the one you lost was with Trevor Bauer on the hill and you had opportunities there. I you know that's important but to me more than anything what this past week did of pulling off the Pirates sweep and the two out of three against the White Sox and setting you up now as you are basically tied with everyone in the middle of the pack for that second seed and for the uh and for the last wild card spots is it made this season no longer about bad luck. We no longer have to talk about BABIP, right? <laughs> like we, we no longer have to talk about how, you know, injuries and transactions and illness and everything that made it, made it sort of a, an uphill grind and didn't quite go right, even though they had stacked so much for this year. This season now will be about this week. Yeah. And that's that was a hill that I didn't know that they were going to climb. No, you're you're right. I mean, I, I go back to last Sunday. So, most of us are knee deep in Joe Burrow's first NFL game, you know. But amid all this NFL action, the Reds are playing a series finale in St. Louis that I'm sure there were only a fraction of people paying attention to than might have been the previous Sunday. And and admittedly, me the same thing. But I'm I'm keeping an eye on what the Reds are doing in St. Louis, and they're losing five to three in the middle innings, and it it just feels like a typical Reds Cardinals game. And I said out loud, "That's a that's a season high seven under. That's a nail in the coffin." And then they score seven runs over their final four innings, pull themselves off the mat, take that doubleheader against the Pirates, and that's really when it seemed to turn. And you're you're right to a degree. Look, I, I think if this team misses the postseason by a game, it's going to be an exercise that we all do to go back and, okay, what are the games that could have swung this differently? Like the game that they blew the two-run lead in St. Louis in the ninth inning. The game where Christian Colon comes to the plate, down a run, bases loaded, and grounds into a double play. Um, the game on the Labor Day Sunday against the Pirates where Iglesias couldn't get anybody out in the ninth inning. I think it's going to be excruciating to do that, but but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, this is this is basically a postseason week, and um, what what you have to like is is who's throwing these games against uh, Milwaukee. Here's my question, though: given the fact that Reds fans and Cincinnati sports fans are always expecting the worst outcome, what would be the worst outcome? Things continue to go the way they were going about a week and a half ago. And they kind of peter out, play out the string, and not really ever come close to the postseason. Or here we are, a week <laughs> left. They're at 500. All they got to do is, I mean, if they win four out of six, we feel pretty good about their chances, right? All yeah. they got to do is take care of business this week. 
and they lose five out of six or something. And right when excitement is building, they pull the rug out from underneath underneath us again. <laughs> what would be worse? I would say falling on your face this week. So yes, we're set up for success. Yes, I genuinely do believe we'll be talking about this team playing uh, a week from today as we as we do this on on Monday. But I, the 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 Cincinnati sports fan in me expects that if the worst thing can happen this week, it will. And by the way, the team they play at the end of this week, the Minnesota Twins, is really, really good as well. Yes. The, the, the answer to your question is, in the short term, what you say is worse is worse. I mean, clearly, the, okay, I'll bring you back in just to slap you across the face one mm-hmm. more time is worse. However, in the long run, I would say that Here's the thing. When the season ends, you can say, well, you know, if this had been 162, they definitely, oh. they were surging. They would have made it. You, they were going to get healthy. They, things were, the, the, the luck was starting to turn. So you feel better about next year. Whereas if, if it's a peter out, you, all, you have to have real, you start having real conversations about, well, this is just, we should just even blow up the rebuild, right? Like that's like where you end up. So I would say it, maybe it saves you a bit of that because of where they're sitting right now. But, uh, but you're right. I mean, it all, it all comes back to it's, it's just like how for all these years with the Reds and with the Bengals, we judge them by the postseason, like win, a, win something, right? Like have a moment already. It's been since 1995, since either of these two franchises and the Reds in this conversation have moved on, win something. Well, this week is going to be about, you know, win, win a tilt. It's win a tilt week. Like you got to, you just got to go win games and really none of, none of the rest of it matters because there's no excuses left. You have Castillo, Gray, Bauer going the next three days in your ballpark against the Brewers. Like you just gotta have it. You can't yeah. set it up better. You're hitting. You're hitting pretty well. You, your bullpen has come together. You've you've got what you want. Castillo's pitching great. Sonny Gray's health coming back healthy. Trevor Bowers in the Cy Young conversation. You gotta win these. Get you gotta win at least two of these games. And if you don't, you have yourself to blame, and you don't deserve to get in. Uh, you still would have work to do, even if you did. But you just can't set it up any better than this. If you are the Reds, at a certain point, you've got to go win big games, and that's what these next three days are. And that's why it'll be fun to watch. Is it enough if they just make it and lose a best out of three wild card series? No, it shouldn't be. Not it's according not. to no, no not. not according to the expectations no. that were set forth by this team, but not only before the season, but in the way they acted with every transaction over the course of the last eighteen months. It was mm-hmm. building towards this year and this playoff run, and we've been sold. We just got to find a way to get in because we have a team built for the postseason right. this year. Right. We're built for this, right? And so if you're built for this, that's not acceptable to get in and lose, even if you end up in a first-round matchup with the Dodgers. So, all right, two things about that. That'll, that kind of brings me to the question that I want to ask you. But before I do, I'll ask you this. So then what is the level of advancement in the postseason? And we are getting way ahead of ourselves. What is the level of advancement of the postseason that most of us will nod along and go, okay, successful year? Because that round of, of wildcard games was added about two hours before the season began. It didn't exist <laughs> when the Reds were building their team. It didn't exist as the Reds were preparing for the season. It existed the night before they played the Tigers. Um, so if you win that wildcard round, now you are where 
the Reds would be if they were starting the season or starting the postseason, but before they added the extra layer of playoffs. So is it simply enough to win a couple of games, win a best two out of three, and there they are in the National League Division Series, one of eight teams remaining? Is that enough? Or do you have to win that round? Which, by the way, again, they haven't won since 1995. I tend to hold them to the level of expectation that we all had pre-pandemic because in March or early March, I said, okay, this team's built to get to the postseason. That means they're built to win in the postseason and they're, they're burdened by a quarter century of not advancing in the playoffs. For us to feel good about this, they're at least going to have to get to the league championship series. And I feel the same way, which means not only do they have to have a successful week, They've got to win at minimum five playoff games, at least for me, to feel good about what they just did, to feel good about this year. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. I think that, you know, a first round upset of a Dodgers team would probably help um, make it feel more meaningful, even if they, you know, went out in the next round because that would be showing they were there. I, I mean, we'd have to see how it would go. You're probably right. Um, the path they would have to take to get there would pro- would be pretty impressive, um, considering how kind of top-heavy I think the National League is. Um, I, I don't I You know what? I personally, I tend to be a little bit. Hey, at least there's going to be some exciting baseball games. Like sure. I, I just, I'm sort of at that point right now where I'm, I'm just going to try to. Look at it that way because the bottom line is you're right. I mean, they have they have not even proven they can get to there yet. I definitely know what a failure looks like, and a failure looks like them not winning enough games this week to even make it in to the uh, everybody come come on let's play in the playoffs scenario. Do you hang a banner for like NL wild card? <laughs> because they did it in 2013. There is eight one of eight. <laughs> there is one in the the runway or was one after 2013 in the runway from the dugout to the clubhouse they hung it there wild card 2013 but they didn't put it in public view in the ballpark do you get one for like seven seed do you hang that flag on opening day next year all right so here's my question for you and by the way i was just thinking about this the reds in the playoffs could give you and i a chance to reenact one of the first times we ever hung out with each other yeah which was reds and phillies game two when i punched a chair at butterbee's you did, yeah. And there was a, there was the, you did, and there was a, there was a, some screaming woman into a hot mic on the, <laughs> that had the entire bar set off, like yeah. no one could watch the game because you just kept hearing some screaming fan on the TV that was ruining everyone's dinner and game experience, even as much as uh, the Reds' play was. Well, and so the Reds, if, if, if folks don't recall, they had a four nothing lead in the middle innings, and then had this defensive meltdown where a bunch of like gold glove caliber guys, Roland Bruce, uh, I think Bronson Arroyo made an error, who was a good fielding pitcher, and they melt down, and I punch a chair, and I look up, and there's like a seven-year-old girl and her parents <laughs> terrified. So, um, But here's my question. So if the idea when you're in the postseason is to win the World Series, and it is, would you rather go in as the eight seed and only have to beat the Dodgers twice. True road games, because they they would play those games at Dodger Stadium, you only have to beat them twice, which is a lot easier than having to beat them three times or four times, although those games would be played on a neutral field. If the idea, you're going to have to get past the Dodgers at some point, if we assume that, no one's going to do their dirty work for them. 
Would you rather get in as the eight and only have to win two when you're going to be able to throw some pretty, pretty good pitchers at them or a situation where the, the higher seeded team, there's more likely to be a level of correction where if they lose a game earlier, they fall down 2-0, they can still come back. For the purposes of getting to October, what is more ideal? I actually, or, or for the purposes of getting the World Series, it's already going to be October. I, I actually, and I, I may be off in this, but I actually feel like with their big three rotation, they're they they're made to go out there in a seven game series and get a lot of, and have those guys as their starting pitchers. I think they're strongest almost that way because their depth of their high end rotation. Is is at a premium. I mean, you're hit. You're going to get all those guys in there on a rotation, or at least pretty close to it. Even if they play them, you'd be playing them consecutively. Changes it a little bit, but I think the depth of their rotation is one of their strengths. When you have those three, that you can get out there multiple times. So i I would say i I would maybe say that, but yeah, pro- you're probably. I mean, probably three games. You shouldn't be favored to beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the better team. You want to just play the minimum amount to get the most luck involved. Um, and you know you're just getting one of each of your first three pitchers. I'd buy that. But I think there's something to the the fact that they do have three guys that that are really high-end like this. Yeah. I, I, here's what I wonder, though. If you're – the Dodgers, you know, they've made back-to-back World Series. It's hard to say they've been postseason underachievers. But given the money they've spent and given the the number of consecutive years they've made the playoffs without winning the World Series and then losing to Washington last year, I think there's more pressure on them in the playoffs than anybody else in baseball, than anybody else. So let's say you go into Dodger Stadium. Let's say the, the rotation is a line that Bauer can pitch that game. And, and obviously that a lot of that is based on whether he's needed or or when he's needed this weekend against Minnesota, but let, let's say let's say you can run Bauer out there game one, and he sticks it to them, and the Reds win game one. Suddenly, the Dodgers, the best team in 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 baseball all season long, this huge payroll, they go get Mookie Betts. Suddenly, they're staring at elimination. I just wonder how much the walls would instantly start caving in. Where if you play them in a best of five, certainly you're up against it. You got to win game two to avoid falling down two zero. But they're never going to have to play in your ballpark. You know, I just look, I want them to get the best possible seed because that that means they win the most possible games and also probably means they're in with the least amount of stress. But it's easier to beat a great team twice than it is four times or three times. I'm sure if you ask David Bell this question, he's going to say, look, number one, we don't care right now. We just want to be in. We'll play who we play. We'll play when we play. I, I, I do understand all that. But. Man, if the idea is to, to get to the World Series, if the idea is postseason advancement and we're going to hold the Reds to that level, right? It's, it's not going to be good enough to just get... Plus, if you play the Dodgers and you lose that series, at least you played the best team. You played a series that you were supposed to lose. It's easier to beat them twice than three or four times. I'm not saying they should tank games to get the eight if they win a couple against Milwaukee, but I, <laughs> would, we, we said all along for, for, for weeks... Boy, if they can just get in. And I think that was based on if you can just get in in a best of three series and you could throw three, these three pitchers at a, at a higher seeded team, well, you could put instant pressure on them. I think that instant pressure on the Dodgers would be really, really interesting based on their history. So I think it's a good question. No, and, that's, and it's a great you know, point. You're right because you're, it, no, nobody would have more freak out going on than LA 
if they're sitting there staring at Castillo and Sonny Gray having to win both of those. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's daunting, even if it, even if it is a, an eight seated Reds team, there's nobody, you know, the, the thing that you see a lot going around now, and I think it's legit is that no one wants to see a hot Reds team. If you're one of these top seeds, like you feel like mm-hmm. that's not what we wanted. And that is where I go back. Should have done the pick your own opponent thing for the top seeds. Yep. I don't, they should have been, you should yep. be able to play whoever you want. You earn the right to play who you want. I loved that from the beginning. I don't know how we got away from that. If we were going to be trying all the dumb things this year, they should have been trying this thing because it's the one smart one out of all of them is, is you should, you should not, if you're the Dodgers, you shouldn't be stuck with somebody who's on fire with their pitchers getting here and all that stuff. Like you should be able to choose. Uh, you know what? We'll take the Phillies. Like you know, right? I mean, I'm just saying, like that. that I don't. I th- that's tough for me to stick a one seed with something like that. If the Reds were to, you know, catch fire and do that and and run that that rotation at them, it shows you how tone deaf the people who run baseball are. Because when they announced during or, or when it was talked about during the winter, pre COVID, hey, moving forward, this is the playoff format. Fourteen teams. But the top seed is going to have a chance to pick who they want to play. That was the only component. Most of us were like, actually, that's kind of fun. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And they would have it as a, like a NCAA tournament selection show type TV deal. Like that would be, that would be a lot of fun. And so then we have this postseason format. And from the get go, <laughs> the high, the, you know, the, the strong likelihood that there was going to be no real home field advantage, perhaps the later rounds of the playoffs being played in a bubble. To me, you had to create some incentive for a team to win its division and create some reward for the teams that had the best records. That was a way to do it, and they didn't, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Which is like most decisions made at the, uh, <laughs> at the commissioner's level. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the rest of the show. Look, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves. We can avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. Real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. You'll have a healthcare professional who'll work with you and find the best treatment plan if medication's appropriate. Roman will ship it to you for free. Free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started is simple, too. Just go to GetRoman.com slash W-A-R-P and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash W-A-R-P. If approved, you get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash W-A-R-P. GetRoman.com slash W-A-R-P. I have a guy uh, that people need to apologize to, Mo. And I probably do for things said. Uh, (laughs) And and I'm sure a lot of fans around Red's country do as well. And that's Michael Lorenzen. Uh, This guy was... MF'd and told he stinks and how could you possibly run him out here and all this stuff while David Bell was just saying, man, I know we can just get Michael Lorenzen back on track. I know he can get on track and really be an asset for us. I believe in Michael Lorenzen. And 
people ripped David Bell, people ripped Michael Lorenzen in the process, and Michael Lorenzen has paid it off big time. Mm-hmm. If you look at what he has, not just before these last two starts, where he's been fantastic, by the way, as an exclamation point on it, before that, he was pitching so well, and these starts, he's found something. I mean, the guy who keeps himself you know, ready to go to just be able to do this and throw 93 pitches for you in a massive spot against the White Sox, um, who was out of a bullpen and bad out of the bullpen early this year. Um, that's really impressive, and a lot of people that wrote him off and that wanted to trash him all year, maybe he deserved it in the moment, but, you know, the fact that there was belief in him, you know, people probably should apologize about some of the things they said about Michael Lorenzen earlier this I'm year. A- I'm going to give Jeff Brantley some credit here because there was a game more than a month ago. I'm sure uh, folks listening will remember this game. Um, it was the weird 540 game at GABP right before, I think it was right before they had the positive COVID test. It was against Pittsburgh. Anthony DeSclafani gave up nine runs in two innings. So they bring in Michael Lorenzen at some point. I don't know if they brought him right out of the bullpen, but he was that game he pitched three plus and he was fantastic. And it was a lost cause. They weren't going to win the game. But I remember uh, during that broadcast, I was doing the post game show that night. <clears throat> so I'm paying a little closer attention to what the guys are saying on radio than, than I might usually be. But Brantley says something to the effect of, you know what, in a lost cause like this, there's really something to build on for Michael Lorenzen, really something to build on here. This is a positive. This is something he and Derek Johnson are going to take, and they're going to go from here. And he goes, you watch. I I think over the next five or six weeks, you're going to see a different type of pitcher. And you have. Uh, I don't think in a relief appearance – I could be wrong about this. I don't think in a relief appearance he allowed a run since. Now, he's obviously pitched in – you know, he's made two starts and and given up runs, but he's been really, really good – and, and it was under the radar, and chances are nobody was paying attention, and everybody was upset about the runs they gave up and the way they lost the game. But um, that was, for him, it, it, it felt at the time, possibly, as I listened to Jeff talk about it, it felt like, okay, maybe this is a turning point for him. For a guy who's had big league success, for a guy who's, you know, we've, we've always sort of debated what his role should be. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Is he a center fielder? Is he a gimmick type guy? How, what's the best way to use him? And we're still having that conversation, but now it's based on the fact that preparing as a starting pitcher in a couple of games the Reds had to have, he absolutely delivered. That game on Wednesday against the Pirates, was it Tuesday? The third game against, it was Tuesday. September 15th. Yeah, the Tuesday game against the Pirates. They win the doubleheader. Now they're going to go to what feels like a bullpen day. Castillo's going to pitch on Wednesday. You've got to sweep that series at that point. You've got to sweep that series. And I'm looking at it going, okay, Boy, if you lose tonight, now there's a lot of pressure on Castillo, who's kind of been up and down this year to, 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 you know, at least salvage three out of four. And instead, Lorenzen comes up big. They win the game. They take a lot of pressure off Castillo, who had to pitch a stressful night anyway, because they only scored one run that night. Yeah. We, we do a, we, we owe, we owe an apology to Michael Lorenzen. And for those who don't believe in the whole Kyle Bodie method of training and preparation, there have been two, absolute, you know, gung-ho Kyle Bodie guys, Trevor Bauer, Michael Lorenzen. And I had a former big leaguer slide it in my DMs early in the season who said to me, have you noticed that Michael Lorenzen has gone in the dumper, his word, not mine, gone in the dumper since Kyle Bodie joined the organization? And I thought, well, that's coincidental. By the way, Trevor Bauer has been really good. 
it's a little bit early to sort of hand down a sweeping indictment against Kyle Bodie. He's been in the organization for less than a year. Maybe Michael's just had a bad couple of, of, of relief appearances. So I need to hear from that ball player who now owes not only Michael, but Kyle an apology. And you for sliding into your DMs and using yeah. the word dumper. Well, the word dumper, <laughs> fine, but I'm just not a big DM guy. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody belongs. Not there. a big DM guy. No. Uh, yeah, Michael Lorenzen, he had the one outing against the Cubs uh, where he gave up two runs uh, in a relief appearance right before he moved into stars. But since since that day that you mentioned, and this does not have yesterday updated uh, with the, these stats, but a 1.3 ERA. So after yesterday, it's going to stay pretty close to that 1.3 ERA. Guys right. are hitting 200 against him. I mean, he's... He is uh he's he's turned it around and, and he's kind of uh he's a little bit of a face of the Reds like this season you can kind of follow the same path where everyone yeah. just wrote him off and all of a sudden uh, just at, risen out of nowhere the last couple of weeks you see oh this is what you were supposed to be and uh some hope associated with that so I I wanted to make sure we talked about Lorenzen who really maybe under the radar of yesterday and this weekend um you know I think just really cemented a, a big comeback from him and it's worth mentioning because if this team could advance past the wild card round in the, the the following two series, there are no off days. So now, you know, manipulating your starting your starting pitching is going to be a little bit different than it is normally where you have, you know, in, in the league division series. Heck, sometimes you'll even have games or days off between games one and two and games two and three. You're not going to have all those. So there's a premium on a guy like Michael Lorenzen who could either take up a bunch of innings in a pure relief role or, okay, well, you know, now, now I got to start somebody else because I don't have an off day. Now you can use Michael Lorenzen. You can set up a bullpen day by him giving you four or five, six innings. Um, yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be really interesting to see how teams handle that because we're not used to that. We're used to days off in between games in those two rounds and in the LDS and LCS, if the Reds can get there, we suddenly, Suddenly, Michael Lorenzen makes it a little bit easier for to manage. Yeah, I, there is a extreme luxury in these playoffs of having comfort with a quick hook. Yeah. So many times you don't want the quick hook because you feel like there's going to be a significant fall off. You're not so sure about long mop up guy, but if you feel like you have a hammer in the wings that's been pitching really well and can give you three, four, five if he's got it, or one or two if maybe he's just got okay stuff, that is an extreme luxury when you are when there is zero room for error in these postseason series. I will agree. I, I would expe- I would expect Michael Lorenzen to play a huge role at some point in a postseason series if they mm-hmm. if they make it or the next three days. I mean, yeah. these are postseason you gotta manage these like postseason games anyway. So, you know, if you see Sonny Gray comes out, or I guess it wouldn't be this week th- that soon, but you know, you get later in the rotation and he say Lorenzo's not gonna pitch and Sonny Gray's like uh or whoever you can go to that, and you you manage it like postseason baseball, and I it's it's a luxury to have, and uh, you know, a lot of us you know, said some nasty things about Michael Lorenzen, and we should we should take some of them back. Um, I want to talk about the Brewers real quick. None more nastier than the word dumper. <laughs> it's no place to be. No. I can tell you that much. You don't want to somebody be, as somebody be somebody who's been in the dumper a few times in my life. It's not yeah. where you want to be. No place to be. Uh, I want to talk about the Brewers real quick. Um, it's funny. I 
you know, kind of was going through catching up on where they're at reading our stuff on the athletic. Um, and I thought I was reading the red story. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was the same thing about how they picked themselves off the mat. You know, they swept the Royals, they, all this stuff. And now they're back to 500 and they're right where they wanted to be. And they're playing well. It really makes for a fascinating series. There's two teams, two organizations who have played this shortened season very similarly, feeling the exact same way going into these three games. The Brewers have been playing well. They were no hit by Alec Mills last week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've scored at least five runs in four straight games as they win. They've, they come here for three. Then they have five in St. Louis, which will be fascinating um, to watch that happen. Um. But they, you know, I think it, that makes this an even more intriguing series because the Brewers are, are are playing really good baseball right now. Yeah, they've had an interesting last uh, twelve days or so where they've scored nineteen runs, eighteen runs, nine runs, and they've also gotten no hit. Um, <laughs> it, so it, it's funny. One of my one of my best friends is a guy you know, Barry Barry Katz mm-hmm. works in yeah. the Bengals ticket office. Uh, Milwaukee native, diehard Brewers fan. You're big in Milwaukee, aren't you? I'm huge in Milwaukee. I'll yeah. be, I'm, I'll be a, a Milwaukee radio Tuesday, Bill Michael show. <laughs> um, but he is, you know, me being a big Reds fan, him being a big Brewers fan, we've been sort of talking about this series for a few weeks, hoping it would mean something and doing the sort of self-loathing about your team that you do when you're talking with somebody else who's rooting for a team that you're contending with. And the gripes are exactly the same. Um, offensively, they've almost been a mirror image. Christian Yelich has not been very good at all this season. He had a, there was a doubleheader, uh, last week against the Cardinals where he struck out six times and it felt like every time was in a big situation. Um, if you look at their numbers, you see a lot of guys that you would expect more from who just statistically aren't where you thought that they would be. Now they lost players. They lose Grandal. They lose Mustakas. Whereas the Reds obviously gained one of those two guys, gained guys, and there's been uh, degrees of underperformance by some of them. But but you're right, the two teams are are built similarly. Um, this is, you know, what I view this as our revenge for 1999. <laughs> <laughs> it just occurred to me this is the biggest Reds Brewers series since well, it didn't mean anything to Milwaukee since '99. But yeah, no, you're you're right. The, 21 two, years in the making. Yeah, these these two teams are um, are similar. In, yeah. in many respects. and But you mentioned what they've done offensively over the last uh, week and a half or so, and aside from Alec Mills. And Alec Mills, by the way, the start before had pitched really well against the Reds. Um, but uh, over the last 12 days or so, they've scored a lot of runs. Um, the Reds are obviously throwing their three horses at them, but they've scored a lot of runs, and so you, you do kind of kind of worry about that. Uh, the last of those horses, who we, who we may see – still make two more starts in this regular season, depending on, I mean, Trevor Bauer would pitch every day as far as I can tell. <laughs> like he's, he's ready to go. Like, let's, let's do this. So, I mean, I, I think, I think there's a pretty good chance that last game in Minnesota, you may see Trevor Bauer going back out there and, and seeing the short rest thing happen. But let, let's talk about biggest Reds twins game ever. Yeah, no doubt. I want to, we'll to go through the the archives on that one. Maybe we go. Is, there had to have been a. They, we know we know there wasn't much. Yeah, it may be. It I is. think I'm going to go there without even looking. I'm, I can guarantee you, biggest yeah. Reds twins at least Friday night. Maybe by Sunday everything's settled, but Friday night is the biggest Reds twins game. Ever. Yes. How, I, how many times have they ever even played? Do we know? Um, easy to look up. 
most of those games have felt inconsequential. Yes. Um, since interleague play started in 97. So it meant a lot to me because I've been trying to get to target field for a while and have failed. And that's likewise. Been sad. Likewise. I've been outside it. Yeah. It was in Minneapolis for a wedding. The twins weren't home. It looks awesome. That is on my to-do list. Yeah, it's one of the one of those that uh, I've always wanted to get to and not been able to do it. So, unfortunately, that will also not be the case this year. But I, we mentioned Trevor Bauer. Um, you wrote about the need to re-sign him next year, and that will be challenging, and we'll spend a lot of the offseason probably talking about it. But I just wanted to give you a chance to discuss what you wrote because it it is an interesting thing for a team that we're kind of going to be wondering about some of their finances. Yeah. Uh, The whole league, really. I mean, we won't be alone in that, but Bauer is going to be um, not cheap. And, you know, it's, it's a, you, you do have to wonder like, is that going to be an investment they're going to be willing to make? I just think there's so many interesting dimensions to this from, Bauer from the get-go saying, I'm only going to sign one-year deals. And he said this well before he came to Cincinnati. And he's doubled down on this. So he's only going to sign one-year deals. He's a guy who has, I mean, I wrote in the piece, you don't wear Day spikes if you're going to bail. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't take those with you to New York or Boston. That may know. be the first time I've ever seen a Reds player do anything shouting out the Bengals, by the way. I mean, I'm trying to, it's pretty rare. I can't think of any other time. I can't. So, um, you know, even even he he tweeted late Saturday night about Fox using the Pittsburgh background yeah. on their coverage when the game was being played in Cincinnati. So he's, I, I hate the phrase, he's wrapped his arms around the city, but he certainly seems invested in the team and the city. And he certainly hasn't ever offered, he hasn't given anybody reason to think that he's unhappy here. He's talked effusively about his teammates. He's all in on the Kyle Bodie thing. So there's that. There's the season he's having, which, let's face it, after we watched him pitch 10 games last year for the Reds, we went into this season going, what are they going to get from Trevor Bauer? Um, There's the finances of the team, even in a normal year where, okay, fine, you know, Maybe they maybe they had an, an attendance spike, but still they've they've got a lot of money on the books for Vado and Mustakis and Suarez and Castellanos. If I assume he opts in, um, there's the going rate for high end starting pitching, which is enormous, and then there's the fact that the team is losing money. Youth and and look, Trevor is not 35 years old either. He's uh, going to turn 30. I think in January. So he's going to be 30 by opening day next year. He is in his prime coming off a great year. What do they do? And I think it's a legitimate question. But from a fan standpoint, they finally have an ace. They have an ace for the first time since Cueto. And they're also in a window of contention, which is what they weren't in when they let Cueto go. How can you claim that you're all about winning in this window and you let the guy who is certainly one of the most important figures in this season's playoff push, how do you let that guy get away? And he also illustrates what my fear is about the 16-team playoff moving forward. And far smarter people than me have articulated this better than I can, but if now in a full season, all you got to do is have the eighth best record in the National League, there's less of an incentive for you to build a great team. We don't need to go win 98 games. We can win 82, and chances are we're in. So you cut corners. 
not to say that the Reds are going to do this, but let's say they, they announce at some point in the next month and a half, yep, next year, 16 teams. If you're the Reds, do you go, huh, we can, we can maybe let Bauer get away, sign the cast off here, hope for a, a Hunter Green here, uh, maybe Michael Lorenzen, maybe the light bulb is on for him and now he's a starter. And okay, we're, we're not going to have anybody as good as Bauer and maybe our team isn't going to be as good but you know what? All we got to do is win 83 games next year. I hate that strategy. Not to yeah. say that the Reds are going to do that, and we don't know what the format for next year is going to look like, but I just think it's going to be really hard for them to say, hey, our window is open. We're trying to win next year, but we're just going to let a guy who could be their first ever Cy Young Award winner, we're just going to let him walk. I, I, I think they're going to get a lot of pushback from people. I, I mean, I would agree. I mean, this was... I mean, there was there was pushback when they let the guys walk before, and they weren't trying to win anything. You know, right. there was pushback when Brandon Phillips was dealt. I mean, we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, there there is uh, um, an association that people have quickly gotten to Bauer, understandably, and he does he helps them win games. And I would argue he's more valuable in a playoff format like this mm-hmm. because if you're building for the playoffs, you're building for Trevor Bauer going out there and dominating for yeah. you in a massive stage. Right. I mean, that's that's as much of what the you know this format is going to be about as anything. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that, and I well, you know I, I don't no no no. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I I also feel like if if he leaves to go sign a one year deal somewhere, that's going to be a real kick to the gut. It, it's one thing if he gets one of these Garrett Cole type contracts, um, where you go, you know what? There's there's such a, a limited track record of huge money deals for pitchers that last five, six, seven, eight years having any kind of success. You don't want another Homer Bailey. Okay, fine. I, that, that to me would be, you, you could handle that. Look, it just doesn't make sense to pitch a guy, to, to pay a guy into his mid-30s the kind of money that this team paid Trevor. I, I think most fans would not along. It would stink to lose him, and you would, certainly would have the, the, the faction of people that would say, yeah, but he's great. You know, Pay the freight later if he's going to be good right now. But if he's true to his word, and Trevor strikes me as somebody who's going to be, if he's true to his word and he's only going to sign a one-year contract, then even if that's an exorbitant amount of money, and, and before the, the, the proration of salaries, he was going to get more than $17 million this year. He's justifiably going to be looking for more this season. Who knows if baseball's finances are going to put many teams in a position to give him a one-year deal for million, whatever he's going to be looking for. But I would imagine that's basically the range he's going to be in. If if he's true to his word and signs a one-year contract, if you're the Reds, how do you not bite the bullet? If you're really serious about winning next year, and I could assure you they're going to tell you they are, if they're really serious about winning next year, how do you let him get away? Uh, a question that we will be tracking very closely as we go into the offseason. One of many fascinating ones, but defined by what happens thankfully for this club over the next week and yes. uh that is fun for fans that is something that this organization has promised fans to get to experience whether it's uh the lows or the highs uh for a long time they have built for this so here's a chance for them to go win some meaningful games have a couple of moments for their fan base even if they're not there at what um, point at what point do we start to do a deep dive into all these tie breaking scenarios oh i can't <laughs> I, no, I, yeah, I, the, the twin series Saturday, Saturday. I can't. I, it's I, I've printed them out as a resource 
for not just this podcast, but for the week. Like I, yeah. I had, I had a buddy of mine call me yesterday afternoon just to like, he's like, Hey, can you explain to me? And I go, are you going to ask about baseball tiebreakers? He's like, yeah. I'm like, no, it's Sunday afternoon. I'm good. I just, I'll talk to you on Thursday. Let's get yeah. through this Brewer series before we start to worry about tiebreaker scenarios. Yeah, they all can change. Whatever they are, once you figure out what they are, then they all can change in a couple of days and when you really won't know. So I I, I had to reference it in, in my story today, and I was just like, there are many tiebreakers that are yet to be determined. I'm not going to sit here and bog this story down by getting into details of them. Can just I also know that give there's you, a lot of them. Can I also give you my personal nightmare scenario? <laughs> of course. So... The uh, the preseason Vegas total was 30, 31 and a half. I always bet on the Reds over because I want a reason to pay attention late in the season. So even in, in recent years when it's been as low as 75, I've always bet the over because then I get meaningful baseball in September. Right? Right. Win for you. So this year, 31 and a half. I'm like, all right, 32 and 28 is doable. So here's my nightmare scenario. The Reds, as we sit today, are 27 and 27. So for the over to hit, they got to go five and one. My nightmare scenario is they go four and one. They clinch a playoff berth. And then the entire Prasco Park team plays on Sunday, the 27th. <laughs> David Bell trots out dudes who I've never heard of. They take about a one hour and 47 minute, two nothing L to the twins. I rip up my ticket. And David Bell is my least favorite manager ever. <laughs> but then you get to watch playoff baseball. Yeah, fantastic. Great. That I'll wager on and probably lose money on. This is my <laughs> nightmare scenario. This is it's like it's like playing fantasy football week 17, you don't do it. And now yeah. there's a chance if the Reds like charge ahead, win this series against Milwaukee, clinch a playoff berth, there's nothing to play for on Sunday. Suddenly, I'm watching Jonathan India and uh, Christian Cologne, <laughs> and they bring up uh, Matt Davidson. They bring up all these dudes to play one game, and they take a loss in game number 60. Well, I don't want to see you have to tear up a ticket. So I, I <laughs> for your sake, I hope that... You I know, will come you over to your house and punch a chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm most comfortable hanging <laughs> out with right. you. I, I, look, I look forward to that many chairs being punched this afternoon at Twin Peaks, the we uh, so three hours together discussing Joe Burrow, who got repeatedly punched like a chair on Thursday. So yeah. plenty of plenty Paul of conversation be, to be had there. Paul will be filling in on the uh, Tony and Mo football show three yes. to six on today, Monday. The uh, what's today? The twenty twenty first. Twenty first. Uh, right. Three to six. Twin Peaks in Westchester. Yeah, it's gonna be a, gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm big in Westchester, my old stomping grounds. Perfect, great, yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Mo, I appreciate you filling in. No problem. A, you a got great it. time as always, and uh, we'll we'll I'm sure we'll be bringing you back through. Definitely, if the tear up the ticket scenario happens, <laughs> I'll have you on just for a six minute rant on that one game. Uh, it, we'll bring you back uh, for sure. But anyway, all right, Mo, appreciate it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week potentially talking about either the end of the season or the beginning of a playoff series. So you'll want to come back for that one. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time on WARP in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm.